Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. So today we turn to yes. You know, when you love someone, uh, part of what happens is you want to say yes to them. Uh, If a parent-child relationship is working right, um, and then that child approaches the parent with, you know, can I uh, go on this adventure, or can I have permission, or uh, can we get together, or can I have this thing that my heart desires? A parent loves to say yes. I mean, you, you may have to say no sometimes, but you love saying yes. If a friend comes to you, you know, can we spend time together? Can, can I tell you this secret that I've never told anyone? Can I share this burden with you? Friends love to say yes to other friends. You see, the reality is, is we carry around a yes or a no in our hearts toward people. And we all experience this. When someone has a yes in their heart for you, they love to encourage you. Uh, They love for you to grow. They love for you to soar. They believe in you. Uh, They see the best in you. They'll confront you sometimes. You know, they might challenge you in a way that's painful, but you know it's precisely because they love you. You know they want what's best for you. On the other hand, I'm sure you know what it's like to have someone who carries a no in their heart toward you. Um, that It's just a, a way of wounding us. Uh, when there's uh, someone with a no in their heart toward you, I mean, they love to criticize you. They, they actually look for ways to find fault in you. They want to rain on your parade. They actually don't want to see you soar. We communicate this to each other all the time, whether we intend to or not, in ways that are so subtle. Uh, You're in a car, and there's a car in the other lane in the intersection, and you wonder, like, can I go? Yes? No? I mean, you can feel a yes or a no through the windshield. We communicate in such amazingly instinctive ways. And it leads to a real important question at a very deep level. Do you think of God as having a yes in his heart for you or a no in his heart for you? It's a real basic question that has to do with the nature of existence, the, the nature of the universe. Is there a God? And is he a God who says yes? Or is he a God at heart who is kind of this like finger-wagging, head-shaking, disappointed-in-you God who's saying no. Now, this concern lies behind one of the great statements in, I think, not just the Bible, but in all of human literature, all of human thought. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church at Corinth. Uh, they're not quite sure what's in uh, Paul's heart toward them. You know, he had written them a painful letter previously, If you've ever read the first letter to Corinth, it's quite painful. And then he had planned to go visit them, but his plans had to change. And so they were left wondering, is Paul fickle? Is he a yes or is he a no for us? And he writes to them about this directly, uh, but not on the grounds of his own character, but actually to say our relationships ought to be grounded in the character and the heart of God. This is what he writes. 
But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him it has always been yes. For no, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. For no matter how many promises God has made, how many promises has God made? An awful lot of promises. Uh, by one count in the Bible, there are 7,457 promises God has made. You know, Paul didn't say a lot of them are yes. Not many of them, not even most of them. Every one of them is yes in Christ Jesus. God has a yes in his heart for you. It doesn't matter what your life is like right now. The circumstances don't matter. Your mother may have said no. Your father may have said no. Your kids may say no. Your boss may say no. Your therapist may say no. Your coach may say no. The IRS man may say no. The dog may say no. Uh, the cat will say no. Uh, that, that college may say no. That job, that company may say no. That girl or that guy may say no. All of God's promises, 7,457, are yes in Christ Jesus. God, will you save me? Yes. God, will you forgive me? Yes. God, will you cleanse me? Yes. God, will you let me start over, start again? Yes. God, will you give me strength? Yes. God, will you give me guidance? Yes. God, will you give me wisdom because I don't know what to do? Yes. God, will you give me the ability to forgive this person and triumph over resentment? Yes. God, will you be with me every day of my life until I die? Yes. God, after I die, will you take me to heaven with you where I'll experience life the way you intended it to be? No sorrow or pain or tears, just in unceasing joy. God says, yes, yes, yes. All God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus. And that's the yes you and I are invited to live in every day. And it's quite a staggering statement of the significance of Jesus. Uh, it's an amazing thing that Paul, who was raised as a Jewish man to believe in one God, said there is this man, Jesus Christ, and the significance of his life is something so profound that all of the promises of God find their yes in his life, in his teaching, in his death, in his resurrection. All of God's promises are yes. So God has a yes for you. There are 7,457 fabulous promises. Read through them. Savor them. Treasure them. Immerse your life in them. Paul says, as a matter of sober consideration for people to think real deeply about the fact that they are going to come true, they are all yes because of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a second yes in this passage. All God's promises, no matter how many they are, are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken, not by God, but by us to the glory of God. So the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. This is the second yes. There's the yes God says to you, and then there can be the yes you say to God. 
Uh, now, Paul introduces a second word for yes here. Uh, the first one is kind of a nondescript word. In Greek, it's the word nigh. It, it, it's the word yes. Here for our, our, our yes, back to God, he uses a variant. Uh, this is the Hebrew word for yes, and it's the word amen. Now, unfortunately, in our day, most people know this word. It's become kind of a churchy word, kind of a, a pious word, kind of a cliche word. Uh, people might get kind of tired of it sometimes. But that's not the way it would have sounded to people in Paul's day. In Israel, they loved this word. I mean, it was like yes on steroids. You could translate it, so be it. Or that's just the way I want it. Dallas Willard wrote about how it could be translated, whoopee. <laughs> he said, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, whoopee. Uh, in Israel, they loved this word. In fact, the rabbis used to say, anytime you heard a blessing, uh, even if you were not in church, when God's goodness was being uh, evoked on someone, you were obligated by the Torah, by the law, to respond, amen. Let it be so, just the way we want it. I would love it that way. Back in Paul's day, that word amen was a fabulous word. And what he says is, because all God's promises are yes in Jesus to us, we can make our lives a great yes, amen, let it be so, whoopee, back to God. That's what we're called to do. Now, what I want to do in the time that's left in this message is to walk you through some ways to do this. Uh, now, mostly what God is concerned about is people. What God loves more than anything is people. And he's placed us in this world and has said to us, yes, not primarily just for our own sake, but so that we can be a conduit of God's yes, God's love, God's power, God's goodness to other people. Uh, this is a strange thing about human relationships. Every time you're with someone, you're giving them a little yes or you're giving them a little no. And we feel this all the time. It's because we're people with wills and we either will the good, uh, we will a blessing, that's yes, or we will the bad for someone, that's a no. How do I make my life a yes for God and for other people? Now, I wanna arrange this around a statement that was written by Dallas Willard. Uh, it's from his book, uh, Renovation of the Heart, which is a, a great book, and I encourage you to read it if you haven't. But this is what he says, but every contact with a human being should be one of goodwill and respect with a readiness to acknowledge, make way for, or assist the other in suitable ways. This is God's plan for life on earth. Uh, there's no such thing as a neutral encounter. There's no such thing as a, an encounter you have with someone in which God isn't interested. But every contact with a human being should be one of goodwill and respect with a readiness to acknowledge, make way for, or assist the other in suitable ways. So I wanna talk about these yeses to other people. Uh, and the first one Dallas mentions is the yes of goodwill. Again, at your core is your will, and your will is to will the good for every single person. The writers of scripture talk about this a lot. Paul commands the church at Thessalonica, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. 
Do you know that all the time you are either building someone up or you're turning them down with your words, with your face, with your body language? It's happening all the time. You can't help it. You'll have people in your life this week at work or at school, and maybe you'll notice that they're discouraged about something. Well, you can be God's yes to them. Uh, you can come alongside them. You can encourage them. You can breathe life into them. You can challenge them. There's going to be someone at home and maybe there's something going on and maybe no one else will have noticed it. Maybe they had a difficult day. Maybe they had a difficult interaction. You can be God's yes to them. You can listen. You can be there. You can care for them. There's going to be someone at our church. Uh, there are people who go to church and awful things are going on in their lives. Uh, maybe they're suffering through loss. Maybe they're going through a divorce. Maybe they're carrying around terrible guilt. Uh, maybe they have big financial problems. And maybe they don't know, like, is it okay if I tell someone about this? You know, and so they'll sneak into the back of church and they'll just sit there and then they'll leave when it's over. Well, you could be the person who looks someone in the eye and makes a difference in them. Maybe you'll be riding in an Uber this week and the driver will need someone to encourage him. Maybe there's someone behind the counter at a grocery store who needs God's yes from you. You can do this. This is the yes of goodwill. It's fundamental. We're to be people whose wills have been remade from God so that we walk through life with a will that radiates goodness. So God's yes just flows through us to other people. All right, we'll talk about the second yes to other people in just a moment. There is this YouTube group called Yes Theory, who in 2015 started a YouTube page with a challenge. They wanted to shake things up in their lives, and so they did 30 things they had never done before in 30 days. Documenting this experience, the group slowly gained new skills and viewers, and now their 7.89 million subscribers watch as they weekly tackle challenges like spending 50 hours in the most isolated house on earth or meditating every day for a thousand days straight. Yes Theory's core hope, their mission, is to seek discomfort which, if you watch some of their videos, they clearly achieve. Discomfort isn't something necessarily we search out. We are mostly discomfort avoiders. We buy new mattresses that let us adjust to the comfort setting so that we can get the best night's sleep. We make our comfort foods or comfort meals when we're feeling a little down. We buy gym equipment and recover equipment to maintain comfort. And while comfort isn't inherently bad, sometimes the comfort of life can slip into the comfort of our relationship with God. Last week, we talked about saying no and the challenges that come when we have to say no. But saying yes also isn't without challenges. We see throughout the Bible people struggling to say yes to what God was leading them or calling them to do. Adam and Eve struggled to say yes when God told them not to eat from a specific tree. The Israelites struggled to say yes to following or worshiping God consistently. The disciples couldn't say yes when they were asked to stay awake in the garden. Saying yes is tough. We also see a pattern in the Bible in which saying yes means saying yes to a sacrifice. Three of the men said yes to following God above all else 
and they were thrown into a fiery furnace, sacrificing their idea of safety and life. Ruth said yes to following Naomi, sacrificing what her future looked like, sacrificing her potential safety. The disciples and Paul said yes, sacrificing a more normal pattern of life. Now we know that these stories turned out okay. The three guys survived the furnace, Ruth journeyed with success, and the disciples started a church that we are now a part of. But their yes must have been scary, must have taken a lot of faith and assurance, must have been a step in which they seek or experienced discomfort. And the truth is, like Matt is starting to reveal to us today, God has placed in our hearts a yes that may challenge us, may make us move into a discomfort that will form our faith. We all have a yes. Maybe your yes is the yes of goodwill, or maybe it will be the yes that Matt highlights in the next few minutes. The great news is we all have a yes. So take some notes as Matt continues to go over the yes responses. Let's, as a community, see how we can be formed as we lean into God and say yes to something. A yes that may challenge us, may bring us into discomfort, but a yes that will form our faith as we journey with God in the yes. All right, the first yes to other people is the yes of goodwill. Uh, the second yes is the yes of acknowledging people. Uh, this is just the power of acknowledging someone. Paul writes this to the church at Rome, greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, and this is what we do every week when we gather in person on Sunday mornings, uh, except for the kiss part, so don't get too excited. <laughs> uh, it's really interesting. Paul didn't say, like, pass on a greeting to the people in Rome. He said, greet each other. In other words, be a people who greet one another, acknowledge each other. The idea is just this. You walk down the street or down the sidewalk or down the halls where you work or where you go to school, there will be people who are coming toward you. You can greet them. You can acknowledge them. You can look them in the eye and let them know with a word or with your eyes or your face. I mean, it's real simple. Just greet them. Just say, I welcome you into my life. That's a yes. Or you can look the other way. You can just avoid contact. You can uh, shut people out. And I have to tell you, I know how easy it is to do that. Uh, I'm an introvert, which means it's easy for me to say no with my body language. But Paul says in the church, in God's community, greet one another, say yes to one another with your words, with your eyes, with your body language. This is a small thing, but uh, a little practice for me when I'm done with a sermon on Sunday mornings, I'll walk out into the courtyard and I see people and I've decided that I'm going to say, yes, I'm glad you're here. I mean, it's just a little discipline after our service where I get to acknowledge people. So here's a challenge on this one. As you're going throughout your day, acknowledge people, especially people no one else acknowledges. You know, I know someone who uh, got McDonald's gift certificates. So when he sees people who are in need of money, you know, people who are experiencing homelessness or uh, someone who's asking for help, so many times we just look away. We try to avoid eye contact. Well, this guy says, 
I want to talk to you. I want to tell you my name and I want to find out your name and I want to treat you like a human being. That's the yes of acknowledging people. All right, the next yes to people is the yes of making way. Uh, we live in a world where people just want to make their own way. And Paul put it like this. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Every encounter I have with someone is an opportunity to say, you go first. If you fly on a plane frequently, you may have noticed a pretty common phenomenon. Uh, when the plane lands, it taxis for a, a while on the ground and then it pulls up to the gate. And when it gets up to the gate and it's just about to come to a stop, have you ever noticed what people do? They start unbuckling their seatbelts and lean forward in their seats so they can get up as soon as that bell sounds. So they can step into the aisle and get a position ahead of the guy in the row across from them because they think, you know, God forbid that guy step in the aisle ahead of me and then he wins the who's going to get off the plane first game. I may be 10 seconds later getting to my car than I otherwise would have been and how awful would that be? So next time you're on a plane, watch for this. I mean, people are like Pavlov's dog waiting for the bell to go off so they can beat each other off the plane. The last couple of flights that I've been on, uh, I've just waited for the bell and it'll just let it go off and then I just sit there and I just say, you know, would you like to go ahead of me? And I know it's absurdly small, but like when you're at an intersection and there's someone in the crosswalk, would you like to go? You know, go ahead. God bless you. Like we say no instead of yes for such stupid reasons. When you're at a grocery store, you know, would you like to go ahead of me? I'll tell you another little piece of this. Uh, in conversations, you can do this. Do you make way for people in your conversations? In my life, in my heart, do I make way for people? Several years ago, I was on a trip with a small group of guys to Kenya with Ray Johnston, the senior pastor of Bayside in Roseville. And during one of the meals, I was talking with Ray and there was another guy who wanted to join our conversation. And I could tell, I could see him out of the corner of my eye, but I didn't want him to join us. Like I wanted Ray to myself. Like he was an important guy. He's important to me. I didn't want to make way for this other guy. This person felt kind of needy to me. And so I just pretended like I hadn't seen him and I just kept having a conversation with Ray. Well, Ray saw this guy and he immediately turned to him and invited him into our conversation. And then when Ray was talking to the group a little later, he talked about how this is a, a picture of how we are in Christian community with one another. We need to make way for each other. He said, Matt and I were having a conversation and this guy right here, he wanted to come into the conversation. And so we immediately made way for him in our conversation, didn't we, Matt? <laughs> I said, oh yeah, sure, we did. That's the yes of inclusion. The yes of you go first. The yes of making way. The next yes Dallas Willard mentions is the yes of assisting. Uh, this is a yes of just serving people. This is what made the early church great. And it's such a paradox. In God, the great yes is what looks to be so insignificant. Paul would say things like, serve one another, 
humbly in love. And this is mostly what the church does. Serve one another humbly in love. So when you go to work, you know, our world has enough people who work with a no in their life, in their heart. It's such a life-giving thing to watch someone work with a yes. I was at a restaurant a while ago and uh, it was super busy. There were a ton of people waiting for a table. And I was commenting to that on that to the hostess. Um, I thought she would say something about how hard it was or how much pressure she was under. Instead, she stopped, gave me a big smile and said, this place is on fire and I love it. I mean, there's something so contagious about someone who goes to work with a yes. So when you go to work, whether that's a volunteer work or for money, whether you think you have a real important job or whether it feels like drudgery, high status, low status. Paul says, don't you understand that you are working for God? God sees what you're doing. God delights in it when you do it well. He says, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And that's a promise. All right, one more yes. And this one is all encompassing. This is a yes to God. It's the great yes to life. It's the yes of joy. We're invited into this, not because of our circumstances, not because our circumstances are good, not because uh, you're smart, not because you're rich, not because you're young, not because you're untouched by suffering or cancer or sorrow, but because all God's promises are yes in Christ. That's the reality in which we live. That's the ground on which we stand. All God's promises are yes in Christ. Amen. Whoopee. This is the Old Testament. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from the window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. What was foreshadowed here, the presence of God by the Ark of the Covenant coming, has happened in Jesus. In Jesus, now God is as close to me and to you as the air you breathe. And you can respond in one of two ways, with a yes or a no. You can be David or you can be Michael. You can dance or you can despise. And I say you choose to dance. I mean, you have this one life and all of God's promises are yes. I say that's cause for dancing. The writer of scripture says David was not only dancing, he was leaping. Which makes me wonder, when's the last time you were so full of joy and life and gratitude to God that you just jumped up and down? That you just had to express with some measure of freedom, you know, whatever freedom looks like for you, a heart that's just on fire with the goodness of God. Well, David was that passionate about God. He had an incredibly free heart. He was just jumping up and down. And David said in 2 Samuel 6, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. I think part of why I love this so much is I grew up in a Baptist church. In Baptist churches, people are not wild and reckless with their hearts. They tend to be cautious and self-protective. There's not much leaping going on. And I just love to see David give his heart to God in complete freedom. So this week, let's express 
the kind of joy David expressed, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe you need to write down the word yes on a card and put it on the nightstand next to wherever, wherever it is you sleep so that no matter what's going on in your life, when you wake up in the morning, you're reminded to say yes to life and to say yes to people and to say yes to your work and to say yes to God. So you're ready to dance. Do this not because it's a good thing to have a positive mental attitude, although of course it is. Do this not because it makes things pleasant for you, although of course it will. Do this not because your circumstances are going great, because maybe they're not. Do this because God has made 7,457 promises, and every single one of them is yes in Christ Jesus. Every single one of them finds their fulfillment in what it is that Jesus lived when he was on this earth. Every single one of them is explained by the teaching Jesus gave to us. Every single one of them was paid for when Jesus went on a cross and gave his life, his blood shed for our forgiveness. Every single one of them was guaranteed on the third day after his body had been placed in the grave when the stone was rolled away and he got up again. Now, I know, I know, the Bible doesn't say it, but I'm pretty sure when Jesus got out of the tomb, he was saying, yes, yes, yes. I'm pretty sure when he came out, he wasn't just walking. He was dancing. That's why we say yes to God. That's why we dance. And that's why the Bible ends the way that it does. A lot of people have never read the final words of the Bible, but they're glorious words. And there's a reason why the Bible ends the way that it does. This is what John writes. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. That is he who bears witness to these promises. That is Jesus who came up from the tomb. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. It may not look like soon when you suffer, when you struggle, when people live and die. I understand that. But in light of eternity, in the eyes of God, it will be like a blink of an eye. Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Let it be so. Yes. Whoopee. I mean, that's the way the Bible ends. So this is a week of Yes. When you wake up tomorrow, when you see people, when you work, when you rest, when you laugh, when you cry, when you live, make every moment a yes, amen, let it be so, whoopee <laughs> to God. All right, let me pray for you. Would you do me a favor and bow your heads right now and just bring before God uh, whatever no you have whatever disappointment what you have, that, that relationship, that heartache, that hurt, that loss, whatever it is, and just hear God's yes over you. Just immerse your life in the yes of God. The God who says, I love you. The God who says, I'm so delighted that you're living on this earth. The God who says, I thought you up. Did you know that? I made you just the way that you are. I love you just the way that you are. My son died on a cross for you so that one day you can be just the way I designed you. All right, God, now we say yes to you. And we thank you so much for having such a great yes for us. And I pray that this week we would search out those promises in your word and that we would claim them as ours. God, help us to do the things that you say and to 
be the kind of people that you want us to be. Help us to go where you want us to go. And help us to just continue to say yes to you as we uh, go out and live our lives and interact with people. Help us to reflect the, the, the yes that you've said to us, to those people. And may you get the glory through our lives this week. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.